to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by my friend from the Windy City, not Chicago, but Nashville. Because <laughs> y'all had some storms rolling in, so we're going to see if we can get this before Ooh. the big bad wolf comes to Nashville. So, so, Oh, but yeah, his name's Sam Moses, so if I didn't already say Did I say your name? You just did now. Aloha, <laughs> friends. Yes, he's from Hawaii this time. Aloha. Yes. Anyway, uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about kind of picking out uh, earlier pieces of gear. And I don't know, maybe like the first like one, two, three pieces, like what what you should consider doing. Mm -hmm. We'll see kind of where this goes. I feel like we're going to go in different directions and I think it's going to be fun. But before we have that kind of fun, we got another bit of fun. Yes. In the form of housekeeping. Woohoo! Why don't you take it away? Housekeeping, my friends. Listener, thank you so much for being with us again for another episode. If you're new, welcome. Welcome to the community. This is called housekeeping. This is when uh, we had a listener tell me that they reposted one of our episodes. And they said, I'm just doing my housekeeping by reposting it. And I was I like, saw that. oh my gosh, that's exactly what you're doing. So, uh, you know who you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But... Housekeeping is your chance to do your own housekeeping in that you can screenshot this episode or a past episode that you love, share it on Instagram, tag me at Moses Mastering, tag Matt at For the Record Mastering. We will reshare it. We, more importantly, get to talk to you one-on-one. We get to meet our audience digitally, and we just continually to meet amazing people. We've done the show. This is our sixth year, and we just started doing housekeeping like in the past 12 months, and it's been so fun to get to know our audience. So thank you for sharing. Uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts goes a long way, we've learned. So if you can uh, leave some stars, leave a review, that would be amazing. Um, and outside of that, that's Instagram uh, housekeeping. Uh, I'm done. I was just looking at this giant black flunk, this this front of clouds coming into my window. I just got so distracted, just blowing in. Ready the Chewbacca oh, noise. Anyway, that's housekeeping, my friends. <laughs> that kind of was the Chewbacca noise. Oh, yeah, it was. That's just my natural <laughs> default when I see giant, uh, dark, bellowing clouds coming toward, towards me. I lose, lose my train of thought and make Chewbacca sense. Is every time I hear you say that or like make that noise, it's like Chewbacca running for the Millennium Falcon. That's <laughs> what my brain's doing. It's like, we shouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> anyway, I think I'm good to go for this episode. So that's housekeeping. Let's continue on. Right on. Let's, uh, in case we get cut off early, let's just hop into this bunny um, hop. Yes, bunny hop, pogo, kangaroo, marsupial, our way into this. Ready your pouches, Sam. Ready my pouch. Um, let's just hop into converters. Oh, um, wow! Because this is, um, this is the direction that you're going to have to go first, mm-hmm. and it's a not sexy direction. I don't think I want to spend the whole episode talking about it. Yes. Um, but let's chat about converters. Um, I'm going to let you take it away first, and I'm going to cue you up with how important are they, mm-hmm. and do you need a mastering converter? Wow. Uh, converters. And what defines mastering yeah. grade to you? <laughs> yeah. 
I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I'm a master engineer, though. Trust me. I've got a gold nameplate. Um, okay, converters to me are so important. Like, if I could go back in time when I was starting in audio, the first thing I had was not even, well, I had basically a laptop converter. So your laptop has a converter in it. Whether you know it or not, it's converting uh, basically digital to analog inside your MacBook or your PC. So when I started audio, I was just like an eighth-inch out uh, headphone jack. And uh, then my first converter was an Inbox 2, I believe. The first thing, I bought it from a buddy. Had no idea what it was. Um, just knew that it took up a USB spot. or a, Yeah, it was USB. Um, and that was my first, I'll say, uh, converter slash interface. And those sounded pretty rough um, looking back at it. But, you know, it was the, the dawn of digital. So... So what made it sound rough? Uh, it was it just sounded thin. It sounded thin and inconsistent. Yeah. Like the image coming out of the speakers felt always like kind of cheap and small and narrow. Also, mm-hmm. I was probably not in the best room, but even looking back on it sonically, I actually still have my inbox too. It's in my basement, in my crawl space. Um, I should hook it up in this new room. <laughs> uh, and see what happens if it even runs. Um, it said vintage digital tone. Yeah, it is. As you say, you're so correct too on that. Um, USB one's going to make a big return. Yeah, but yeah, it sounds very like thin and digitally uh, processed to me. We should make that a plug-in. Yeah, they should. <laughs> this old inbox. Uh, um, then I went to the Focusrite uh, Scarlet, which I thought was a big improvement, and that was great. I used that for a lot of years to master with. I started my quote-unquote career with that. Um, And I was pretty happy with that. I got into a decent room with it, a decent set of Genelec monitors, added a sub eventually, had an acoustician do the room initially, or after a few years, and felt pretty good with it. And then, um, Matt, you got me on the Hilo, and I was able to demo a Hilo and kind of A-B it and immediately noticed a massive difference in uh, depth, image, clarity, even just going in and out of the box. Um, the headphone app was so much better. And that's still what I have. And um, I think with converters, it's really important to try and buy, try and buy the best converter you can. Um, if I could go back, I would even save up because the the leap from like headphone out, this is just my opinion. I have no science on this. And there's probably people that'll be like, you're stupid. But to me, like, unless I have the Hilo, I'd rather just have, like, my headphone jack. <laughs> like, like it's kind mm-hmm. of... I don't want to say it's, like, no progress to be below a... I'll say, like, a professional-grade converter. Mm-hmm. But there's not, like, much happening. Like, I would take my headphone out now over an inbox based on how I know how they sound. And someone might be like, that's stupid. But I... I would almost either like be an all or nothing with converters at this stage. If I could do it again, if someone's out there listening, being like, "Oh, maybe I'll buy like the thousand dollar one," just don't save up your money to buy. You know, I don't want to put a price on it, but you'll probably need to spend, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars, and then you'll have it for life in theory. Outside of if you just kind of get tired of it or want to switch it up, um, or don't you don't like the workflow on it, but sonically. The converter is such 
an important thing to me because it's obviously converting the audio and the more accurate it can be, um, you know, the more accurate you're hearing the music and it gets into like the splitting hairs thing where people usually will say like, you know, if you just listen to ABC converter, line them up, you know, it's like, oh, they all sound pretty good. They're just a little different here and there. But what I've learned, like it's when you're actually working on audio, you have like thousands of choices. And so, you know, you're, the splitting hairs becomes a whole head of hair essentially quickly. If you're just mm-hmm. comparing master a mastered song on three different converters, they're all going to sound pretty good. You might be able to, might be able to say like, oh, that one maybe is a little, you know, thicker, a little brighter, a little more image, you know. But they're all great. But once you start working on them, then all your choices start impacting that final product. And I found once I moved to the Hilo, um, that it was no longer splitting hairs because even the focus right to the Hilo. I would say like if you were just A, being something, it was maybe like a 5 to 10% improvement with the Hilo, I'll say, as far as like presentation of the sound and the image and clarity, mm-hmm. which, you know, is kind of like, well, you know, is it worth the money compared to kind of like the Focusrite, which was like, I don't know, five, 600 bucks. But then once I started working on it with the Hilo, I was like, oh my gosh, all my choices are more accurate by 10%. And that mm-hmm. goes a long way. Um, so for me, converters, super important. If you're out there, you know, most people, when they get into audio, they're using some, they're using an entry level interface that has converters in it. So a lot of people have like an Apollo or now like every company is cranking out basically like a two channel interface to appeal to like podcasters or creators or like bedroom producers. All those converters in there are pretty garbage. And, um, if you really want to do this professionally, I would highly advise to you to invest into a better converter. You could still even use that interface, but get a better converter. Um, you know, and some people out there are probably like, well, it doesn't matter that much. You know, Post Malone makes it on an Apollo or so-and-so says they use this and it works for them, so it's good enough for me. And there's just so many other circumstances that go into the success of a record and if some company is advertising some famous person used this cheap two-channel interface uh, to make their hit record, that doesn't mean it's not true, but there are 1,000 other things that had to happen for that record to uh-huh. become famous. And the, uh, the two-channel probably wasn't the deciding factor. Um, it, was, it was probably the marketing on the back end. So anyway, converter is super important. Uh, give yourself a chance to hear accurately. You owe it to yourself. You deserve to at least have a chance to make great records. And I think that starts with having a great converter. So as far as a mastering converter goes, I don't know. The Hilo claims it's a mastering grade converter. You know, um, I I don't quite think I understand what that even means <laughs> um, other than it's supposedly extremely accurate with low distortion High headroom, supposedly. I don't know. It's not good for clipping, so I don't. I don't know how good it is for headroom or like if you want to push something. But, um, but yeah, mastering grade converting. I don't know quite what that means. I can't even really speak on it. If you know about that, Matt, which I feel like you might, because you're smart and you kind of know those things. I want you to speak on it. So that's my my opening remarks. Converter, super important, Matt. 
What do you think about converters? You, you're I'd like, say, you've gone through lots of converters. Yeah. And like I said, I don't want to like spend the whole uh, time yeah. talking about it, but because we got like a converter episode, but I guess my list has been uh, Lynx Hilo. Uh, and then I kind of went through like a lot of ADs, um, just because I'm not the biggest fan of the AD on the Hilo. Not saying it's a bad AD. I just like to hit my my ADs pretty hard, and I use it as a form of limiting. And just I just really like how it sounds. And so I mean I don't know. <laughs> and like the more I'm kind of thinking about it, I'm like maybe it's like a maturity thing. Like eventually I'll be like, no, I'm not going to hit stuff as hard. And I kid you not, ever since the Dave McNair episode, I have been legitimately backing stuff off. And for some stuff, it sounds really nice, but for other stuff, I'm like, nah, I think I still want to kind of hit it because I, I just kind of like how uh, the AD on the head quantum sounds. So anyway, um, I've done the Hilo, which I still have. I use it as an interface between my computer and my rig. I don't use it for anything else, no monitoring, no anything anymore. Um, I've used the Lavery Gold, the Mark III, I've used a, I've used all the Burl stuff. Um, I've used, um, what was the other one? I had another one. Darn it, Sam. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll just, we'll just kind of like, uh, I'll just say like the head quantum is currently where I am with the ADDA side of everything. Um, I also have a, uh, I recently picked up an Army ADI-2. You heard that. Mm -hmm. I brought that out to Nashville. Yeah, that's not good. And that's pretty nice. Um, you could uh, you could wage a small war with that thing <laughs> as like a sidearm and just like throwing it at people and do pretty well. Um, it is pretty darn robust and it sounds pretty darn lovely. I was extremely um, impressed with it. I've actually thought about buying the the ADDA version of it. It's like $800 more. I've thought about it um, just because I've been putting together just like a little mobile rig. If I, I don't know, working on some stuff, finishing some records, not here. I like to be home more. Um, so it's like if I don't have to come in here super early, that'd be nice. Um, but still kind of keeping the same hours. Um, anyway... I really liked that as a DAC. It's been a DAC and an interface. It's been kind of nice. Um, anyway, um, what do I think a mastering converter is? To me, it's pretty darn low distortion. Being able to push an AD is just a thing that I like to do, a thing that I know a few other mastering engineers like to do. I don't really think that it's a requirement. Um but I do think that you should have the headroom to go, I don't know, significantly over um, Digital Zero, which the Hilo can do. And generally, if you have like a not-so-dynamic source, it can do it and you're not really going to hear it unless you really know what the Hilo sounds like, which I've listened to masters of other mastering engineers before who use Helos, who have stuff slammed, and I 100% can hear the Hilo going crazy, <laughs> just getting cranky. And it's amusing. Um, but, I mean, it's it's a choice. And, I mean, if it's artist approved, it's artist approved. And, I mean, that just is what it is. Um, 
then it has a very specific way that it distorts. And so you just have to know what it sounds like or be driven mad by it enough <laughs> to know what you're listening for. Uh, it's kind of like an old ghost that like kind of comes back. Um, anyway, uh, but the DA, the AD, it's all lovely. And it's funny because if I need like something really punchy, it works better on punchier material. Um, than the head quantum that kind of I feel like it the quantum rolls it off a touch. Um, to me, uh, a mastering a converter, it's low distortion, um, a really delicious amount of headroom. I don't I don't really know how to quantify that, and it's going to really come down in my opinion to like like headroom in both ways because it's like having just a super super low noise floor is paramount to me um i want to figure what i want to go into with this i believe i've measured the helo down to like the mid minus 120s i don't think i've ever measured it below 130 um the RME ADI two DAC, I believe I've measured it in the one the minus one thirties. I, I don't know what I've measured the crane song head down to. It's not overly. I mean, it's quiet, but it's not um, like RME too quiet. Uh, but it's like at some point you are splitting hairs, um, and I mean different strokes for different folks and what you want to use. Um, and I mean, and obviously, as you turn up all the little triode pentode tape uh, processing settings, it's like obviously you're going to get into weird noise floor things. Um, but it's like if you're having clients deliver stuff at minus twenty, minus even minus thirty, and then they're expecting it to replay between minus seven and minus four. I'm talking RMS, not not LUFS, um, the Lord's measurements. Um, <laughs> I think that you might get into some issues, especially if you're starting out with a noise floor that might be even at minus 80 with the source, because that's not, then if you don't have a quiet converter and you're going to be taking it up by 25 dB, it's like you're getting into audible range. And even if like, let's say you're like at minus 60 and that with your source, well, now you're super audible range and you're going to hear a like the whole darn the whole darn track that's not supposed to be there. Um, sometimes it'll fit, sometimes it won't. Um, that's the most important thing to me is low distortion and a very um, low noise floor, at least as low as, as we can go. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to get into. Um, as far as converters, um, how important are they? Do you need to get into it immediately? I don't think you need to get out of the box immediately. I mean, stuff like digital stuff is so darn good that you can totally hang out in the box for for almost a career. Yep. Um, but it's like, don't get me wrong, you're going to track certain clients because you are going out of the box and you're doing things that they can't do. And it's a very DIY culture these days. And you know what people can't do all the time? Spend a ton of money on gear and go out of the box. So that's why you're here. Um, so are they important under that pretext, pretest? Yeah, sure. My opinion in this current market, 2023 market, is um, 
I feel like if you were to buy used, you would be smart because I don't believe, I believe if prices go down, which they may, whenever we get past whatever we're kind of in financially or economically, um, prices generally trend that way. And if you buy a Hilo at like $3,000 where they're going right now, where I bought my Hilo secondhand for $1,500, I just don't think the ROI is going to necessarily be there for you. Um, there is another option, and this is, I think, where I'm going to end it. There are very good mastering grade converters that are used, and of the, I don't want to call it like the vintage category, but I wouldn't say you're seeing them pop up in overall relevancy these days and you're not seeing a lot of new studios open and people going to these. And so it's like like there's nothing wrong with going with like an older like a MyTech uh it's like a DAC 96 or a ADC 96 or a, if you're like and these aren't even like overly old but like any Rosetta or um that type of stuff but you will possibly need um uh, you'll probably need some type of like PCI card. And I'm not saying this because I know about it. And I was talking with Justin Perkins one time and he told me, to, <laughs> he's like, this is what you need. And I was kind of looking into all this because I've looked at getting away from the Hilo for an interface and I'm glad I haven't um, right now. But essentially you would need some type of PCI card with connectivity to your computer and then like an AES or whatever type of output from that in order to speak with your gear and it's funny, as we go down this road more, you're seeing a lot of people see this old gear that has no like modern connectivity. And they're like, how the heck do I get between these two things? Um, that's generally the way. I mean, Weiss has, the, has an option. I've heard recently that um, from my friend Frank at Fuselage Mastering that uh, some of the Mac M1, um, M2 stuff with the upgrades, the firewire that they have may have some compatibility issues. Frank, please, if you listen, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I know they have like a, like a firewire to AES type conversion or interface, I suppose it would be called, and you could totally do that. It's up to you whether or not you think firewire is outdated, but there is that option there as well. Those are, I've seen them they're between 800 at the lowest I've ever seen them, and 1600 is kind of where they live. I think they retail for 22. But I mean, I would love to get into like a Weiss DAC ADC situation. That'd be so cool. Anyway, back to this. Um, so, Sam, we talked about converters, mm-hmm. arguably to Ignosium, um, and to others, probably not, not, not as much as we should have. Um, so as far as a direction, do you, when you're out of the box, this is like one of your first one, two, three pieces. We're not going to say which pieces to necessarily buy, but more of a like an ethos to go about. Mm. Because it's like, we're not going to do this whole, you should buy a massive passive, you should buy a better maker. Because <laughs> we, we've done that episode. Uh-huh. So as far as an ethos of, okay, now you're out of the box, should you be seeking clean or a clean signal path, should you be seeking a signal path with a tone? I think that's the direction I want to go. I think it, and yes. You're more than welcome to twist and turn any piece of gear you want into that. <laughs> um, 
But I more want to stick to like an ethos of yeah. going about this. I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve with out of the box. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before. Like problem, I kind of use it as problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of step one. Is thinking your head. That's 100 me too. Like what? What are you trying to do? Because um, analog can be extremely coloring or extremely boring. Like you know, some of my. Some of like the, I'll even say it almost feels like the cheaper solid state type of gear is almost when you use it, like some of my DBX stuff, which is kind of iconic on like drums, like DBX, the, you know, the 160 and compressor and EQ and stuff. And I have some of the super fibers. grabby. Yeah. It's, uh, it, to my ears, it's like very kind of like sterile, slightly forward. Mm-hmm. But not like when I think of analog, I don't think of that sound um, at mm. all. Like that's not a sound to me when I think of when people ask, like, "Oh, I need some analog," or "I want it to sound analog." I think most people are thinking it's a warm, it's a glue, it's a cohesiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's able to take a, you know, this is something I think analog genuinely does better. Is it can move things? How Matt and I talk about like, m- like potential of a song being like a letter grade I genuinely believe like analog can take like a D like kind of a hot mess of a song and move it to like a B or almost an A where in the box I still have difficulty um, without throwing you know 20 plugins on something to get it from say a C to an A Mm. Um, analog I can use like two pieces of gear and move it you know, three letter grades where in the box it's like I got to use 12 different things and it's still quote unquote not as like vibey and cohesive as analog. Mm-hmm. That's to me st- like where analog really shines still, you know, and why I still have it is like it can really move the marker um, for things that are just not really quite there but need to, you know, the expectation is it's going to sound like a, you know, a commercial record. Um, sure. So, you know, that's kind of how I use a lot of my analog stuff now is like kind of like broad repair. Obviously can do some kick butt stuff with great mixes as well to make them even like better. But um, yeah, as far as like first piece of gear for, for out of the box, I mean, I would go, I would go for something probably tube based just because tube mm-hmm. sound is so hard to replicate in the box. Um, the tube stuff, emulations of things in the box basically are just like copying distortion curves and wiggles and squiggles um, because obviously it's like in the box and it's like ones and zeros. But there is something still very um, very different about tubes in actual gear that has a depth and a width and kind of an energy um, that I cannot get with plugins. And so, mm-hmm. um, and the plugin, there's plenty of plugins where you can master all in the box. Um, you know, I, I did that for years and created a business off that. I still work in the box when I feel like it's, you know, the best thing. Because when you do go out of the box, you're, you're losing something when you go out of the box immediately. So, uh, you know, anytime you leave the computer, you're essentially... You're you're entering in um, a quality degrade on some level, even with the best setups. Like, 
you're just going to lose something by going out and in. Um, but you might gain something by the piece of gear being able to make up for that or the sound you're going for, you know, comes out better than staying in. But anyway, tubes. I'm obsessed with tubes. Um, I mean, I have a lot of solid state stuff too, but I think analog and tube is like, goes hand in hand. Um, I think if you're looking for a piece of gear, check out something tube-based um, for your first piece of gear. I would probably go with an EQ because in-the-box limiters are like really great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have some out-of-the-box quote-unquote mastering limiters, which are terrific, but that's something where I could probably get rid of if I wanted to and just use limiters in the box. I have no issues getting crazy loud records with in-the-box limiters. Also, a lot of in-the-box limiters have great oversampling, great intersample peaking, uh, you know, limiting. They have great look-ahead. There's a lot of features that in-the-box limiters have that analog limiters do not have and that are really important for modern records. So, if I had to pick, I'd probably do an EQ. I would probably do tube-based. Even if you did a you know, we talk about not saying like, oh yeah, go buy a mass passive. Um, just just look up tube EQ, stereo tube EQ. It doesn't have to be like a mastering thing. Um, there's plenty of gear I own that's not called mastering, like version or mastering, whatever. Um, I own gear that doesn't say manly on it. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, like you can, you can have a lot of fun with a tube EQ. Um, you can achieve a ton of tone, a ton of sound a ton of manipulation probably with tube EQs. You can swap different tubes in and out to even create basically a whole new piece of gear. You know, a lot of people don't really explore the tubes. Guitar people do, but when it comes to gear, you know, you can, you know, I've swapped in and out tubes on my Massive Passive to find what I like. And, you know, same with my Tube Tech has a different set of tubes in it than my Massive Passive. And you can change, you know, the way the whole unit sounds from mid-range mm-hmm. to top end to bottom end to quickness to you know clean distortion. Um, so tubes just open up a lot of you know potential for you to customize it, you know. And I think that's fun with analog. And I think that if you really <laughs> want to be able to add some vibe and energy and mojo, I think tube is the way to go. So that would be, if I was doing it all again, I'd buy a 2BQ um, of some sort as my first piece of out-of-the-box gear. And that's my final answer. So if you had to like expand it, let's say your first like three pieces, mm-hmm. would you really that, okay, and you, you got some cash in, you got a little bit of ROI going Woo-hoo. on, would you, stay so, would you stay tube? <laughs> would you continue for solid state? Um, how would you how would you recommend it to somebody to kind of keep going about this? And so, like, I also do this whole like they were the they're the questions that I was and the questions I still am asking myself. And anyone who comes to me and asks me, or um, I'll get into that. Um. What what like kind of piece of gear? Or I'm thinking about this piece of gear or whatnot. My first thing that I've always held true to is um, 
what problem are you trying to solve? And right. I believe that's how you phrase it yeah. as well. Also, there's a second part to that, and it's what is your current weakest link? Mm-hmm. And so let's try to like work that into the what problem are you trying to solve? Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm always doing is I'm always upgrading the weakest link. Yeah. And eventually it's like it came back to my monitoring, so I got the keys. And then it's like my power might not be the greatest. <laughs> and so it's like upgrading the whole power and everything. Right. And like, yeah, I run like each bay off of like these massive 90-pound like cleaning transformers. And it's just what I do. Um, I'm always upgrading my weakest link. So if you were to, say, expand your um, recommendation into the next two pieces that that person were to then build a chain, let's just say, I don't know, I guess they could daisy chain, they could do a switcher if they wanted, but if you had to recommend a direction uh, on moving forward, the next two, what direction, ethos-wise, where would you go? And you can even say pieces. It's... Mm. Okay, it's I know it's going to be a massive, passive, better maker, and <laughs> well, maybe I mean, you know, I, there's, we all know it. There's, I mean, one of my first like favorite compressors. Well, a to answer your question, I would go solid state next, and I would buy a compressor gotcha. and or limiter, you know, and the Alicia Expressor in the 500 series is an insanely good solid state compressor slash. You can make it into a limiter. Um, you know, by going to the limiting ratio. And then it has like a hit it, I think it's called hit it, which is basically like a warm button that adds some like thickening to it via, I think maybe it's a different transformer. I don't know. I haven't read the manual in forever. But it adds like some some beef to it. And, you know, you can buy that 500 series thing for like six, 700 bucks now. I think when it was new, it was like, a, like 1100 maybe when I bought it. Mm-hmm. You can get them used everywhere. They're kind of like a Swiss Army knife. They're super clean. The they have awesome features. They're they have a you know a parallel blend, which is amazing. The gain reduction limiter, which is amazing. You know, infinite essentially options on dialing and attack release and ratios threshold. It handles materials so 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 well of all kinds. And um, you know, it, it'd probably be something if I was doing it again. I I mean I would I did buy that before the Better Maker, and I probably, as much as I love the Better Maker limiter, it's its own animal. Like it's mm-hmm. it's not. I don't think it's very clean. I don't think it's very mm-hmm. transparent. Um, it's full of color character. The ins and outs are highly, in my opinion, like sonically, they sound very different depending on if you're going in hot and coming out not as hot. You know, vice versa. If you're Trying to do like a like a unity thing in and out. Um, the better maker limiter to me, mastering limiter, I think requires some skill. To be honest, not mm-hmm. not that it not that it's hard to use, but it feels like you need to know what you're doing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. with the features. Otherwise, it gets like really strange quick. Where like the Elisa Expressor is like extremely forgiving. Like you can set the gain mm. reduction limiter to be like, I only want you to take off a dB and a half, no matter what the heck I do with all these seven other knobs. <laughs> so it's kind of like least destructive. Where with the Better Maker limiter, you're dealing with clipping and limiting and the you know percentage of which one, and then you have MS and you have attack, you have intelligent release, 
you have coloring, you can do MS, like it can do a lot of things. And that's why I really like it, but it almost feels like an advanced tool to me um, and not something I would probably buy to start with. Um, and, uh, you know, I would go solid state <clears throat> after tube. I would look at some sort of compression limiter. So that would be my second piece of gear because um, that's going to give you some loudness and glue that in-the-box might not be able to get to, give to you or you can still use an in-the-box limiter to really get you up to volume, volume, but you can get some really cool glue with uh, out-of-the-box solid-state compression. My third piece of gear is for sure going to be some sort of saturator, like 100%. If you do not have a saturator out of the box, such as like the Overstayer MAS, which has like saturation and some EQ filters and blends, and that whole box is just to like push into as like they describe it as like a console or a tape machine in a in basically a rack unit um, on the manual, get yourself some color box basically, um, be it a black box. I think is a popular one for people. Overstayer mm-hmm. makes just a saturator unit. Um, I messed around with that versus the MAS, and I found the MAS to be better for how I like to push into things and with the EQ shelves and resonant peak it offers. And that then goes into the saturation and the harmonics. Um, I find that to be more musical for the mastering stage. Um but yeah, get yourself something something that basically can go from clean to like straight up fuzz pedal <laughs> is, is I think a good thing to have. And that would be my third piece of gear. And between those three things, you can solve so many problems. You can solve, you know, thin mixes, bright mixes, dull, like dull mixes, you know, non-cohesive mixes, um, you know, between a tube EQ a solid state compressor and or limiter and then some sort of solid state. The overstayer is solid state. Um, you know, saturator, harmonics. You can achieve almost anything um, and then come back in the box. So that would be my answer. You know, something tube, something solid state, then something kind of crazy to give you like a lot of different color options after all that. Um, but that is what I would do. And that's... Uh, you know, it's kind of what I kind of what I did a little bit, a little out of mm. order, but um, I kind of approached it that way because I I kept running into problems I needed to solve, such as oh, this mix is so thin, how do I add some density, you know, to it? Is it tube? Or mm-hmm. Is it saturation? What is it? You know, loudness. Saturation helps with loudness. You know, sometimes more than compression. Um. And sometimes you need to saturate before you compress or saturate after you compress, depending on what you're attenuating or wanting to address. So, yeah, that's my that's my three pieces of gear. What about you, Matt? Where are you going? Where's your where's your uh, chain going? So you were EQ compressor and then tone. Yes, yeah, tone is a good word. Yeah, some some sort of tone tone box. So, I will say, 
I think we had an episode on how to buy gear. We, we released it one summer or two or three summers ago. Um, I liked that one a lot, and I don't really think we said a lot of bad things on that one. I would go and I would review that episode, and one piece of advice I would still hold to be pretty true is check the used market. Um, and you want to check it at like kind of a stale time of year, like Don't go do it around, I mean, this episode, I don't know, it might air May or June, but like we're recording this right now in April and we're like right around like tax time. And so like if you're in April or October, like the two times tax things happen or December, don't judge the used market those times. So April 15th, obviously, turning in taxes, getting returns. October is when generally extensions are filed and returns are given out. And then December is generally if anyone has an excess of cash that they're trying to like get an expense on their like on their bottom line so they don't have to pay as much in tax. Those are kind of the three times a year I don't really trust the used market. Um, Besides that, I have no problem trusting it. the reason I don't trust it around those times is because um, December aside, tax time, people getting money, they're generally going to spend it because people, gener- sorry, aren't really the best with money. And so as soon as they get it, it goes back out. Um, and uh, But I would rely on the used market. If you see a lot of them on the used market, it might, I, it might, or it should serve as a potential hint that this might not, Maybe I'm going to have a similar experience that this person did or all these people to where if it is flooding the used market, then if all these people had a bad experience with it, maybe I'm not going to have a good experience with it as well. That'd be my first piece of advice. Um, I would 100%, if you are new at this, buy used. I would not buy new. Prices are pretty darn inflated. I think they're going to be inflated for quite some time. Um, I mean, I'm on VK's website right now, and I remember these like Shadow Hill mastering compressors. They went down into like the high to mid sevens, and right now they're back up to ninety five, ninety nine. And so it's just like you're just I'm just kind of watching her stuff. Is like these Rupert Neve uh, master bus processors. When I was buying stuff, they were three thousand or thirty five hundred. Um, now they're forty six ninety nine, and so it's like it's pretty darn inflated. The Chandler Chandler curve benders; these things used to be in the high fives. Now they're sixty five hundred. Um, these better maker mastering limiters didn't weren't these like twenty five hundred bucks? Yeah, I mean, new now they're like they're now they're thirty one forty. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm staring down the barrel of all these things right mm-hmm. now. Um. These uh, these Teaglers, these used to be low twos. Now they're kind of mid twos, uh, like high ones. And so I don't know if right now is the time to be buying new. The nice thing with new is that it should all be good. All warranties are intact and whatnot. But I mean, even converters, Lynx Hilo, like $3,000. Like Once again, I picked this up used for $1,500. I think I got the deal of the century. That's funny, the, the silver one is... Uh, 2999 The black one is 3099 It's like $100 more for a different color. That's silly. Um, but 
it's all indicative of the market. There's a weird like chip thing that's been going on for the past, not like Lay's chips, like actual like um yeah, integrated circuit chips and whatnot, stuff that's driving everything, Con- component shortages and weird happenings and a backlog of stuff. I mean, there was a was it there was like a semiconductor plant that made converter chips for a lot of converter companies and it like burnt down in Japan. It was kind of nuts. Anyway, um I recommend to buy used. This is April of 2023 I'm saying this. Um but if you're someone who has to have it new then buy it new. Um where do I suggest you go first? Um kind of in a roundabout way I think you should get a compressor first. Why? Because you're going to do it anyway. Because like <laughs> initially they're like kind of cooler and you can get like a cooler kind of a vibe. You can get a more analogy re- response. It's what you're looking for. And let's be honest, that's kind of what you're looking at right now anyway. You're not really, if you're getting into this, as much as I think an EQ is the better option for you, you're going to get a compressor anyway because that's what you're looking at. So just get it, and that can be your first one. Am I wrong, Sam? Is someone really going to start with an EQ? Is someone really going to start with an EQ? Like, if they're getting into it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) This is my list. Anyway. It's your list. Get the compressor, because that's what you're probably looking at anyway. It does the sexy things, the very mu, the... Uh, it doesn't mean just manly. Uh, I mean, kind of like whatever you're looking at. It's like you're looking at it, so just <laughs> get it anyway. It's like everyone has like stacks of like. Com- it's like the first thing you buy is like all the compressor plugins and stuff, and then you're like, oh man, EQs kind of like changed the game on this. It's like, yeah, they changed the game. That's what literally shapes the thing. And it's like, yeah, but the compressor, you can compress it, and you can hear stuff you didn't hear before, and you can. It's it's like yeah, I know. It make and make you make stuff loud of it. Um, so my first is a compressor because you're going to do it anyway. It's not the way that I went, but I think it's the way that you're going to do it. So this is your permission to do that anyway. Um, do you stay tube? I, or do you do solid state or tube? I would say, I would do something with a tone. I wouldn't do straight solid state. Um... I mean, you can have solids. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you do have solid state that has a tone, but I don't know if I would do like API or SSL. That wouldn't be the way that I would go. If you're gonna go tube, it's like very muse kind of the way you're gonna go. If you're gonna go solid state and you got cash to burn, sure that that uh, Shadow Hills mastering compressor. It's like you get two two compressors in one. Um, one company, and I know what I said don't say any brands or anything. <laughs> Um, one company that I just really like them and I don't know why I never went this route. I probably, I don't think, I don't have a reason to buy their stuff. Um, but I'd love to try some stuff out. Is that, uh, Graf or Gyref Audio? They're like out of Finland or the Netherlands and they seem pretty neat. Like I know people who literally just have that. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And every time I've heard it in a shootout, I'm like, man, that sounds incredible. Why don't I ever buy that? And it's like, I don't know. I, I don't know why I never did it. Um, but I would do something that has tone, whatever, because that's the reason you're going to go out. You're looking for something you don't normally get in the box. Um, 
Some people say, yeah, get a get an e- get like a really clean EQ first. And it's like, I don't know if that's really why you're going out of the box. You could do the thing where you have the compressor that does both things. Or I'm sorry, the EQ that does both things. It was the the, the Millennia NES. I have a friend who just got that. Um, I would give you a shout out, but I'm so sorry. I, I legitimately cannot pronounce your name. <laughs> so I apologize. But he just got one of those and he says it's lovely. It has the... It has the solid state part and it has the tube part. That's an EQ that could be like the best of both worlds, and I've never heard anything say anything about bad about it. Um, and it's you do have the fun mods that you can get. They have the four cell mods for it, um, and uh, I mean, I mean, he's not doing any work anywhere. He retired, and so that's definitely going to be a rare item. What I would do, I would do a compressor first, and then I have no problem switching over to an EQ second. Um, the problems that I had initially were a little bit different, and so I did Hilo, and then I got the Neve MBP just because I wanted like immediate tone, and then I went to Maslick MPL2 because I hate the letter S, and I want to destroy every plosive and sibilant anomaly, artifact, whatever out there. It's like even like the words plosive and sibilant, it all has all that stuff in it that you hate. Um, So it's like I have two pieces of gear completely dedicated to getting rid of that. And so that was just the way that I went. But if I were you, I would do some type of uh, Tony compressor first. Um, I think an EQ is just a smart move. Um, Just kind of... pushing stuff around, shaping it around, really whatever way you want to go. Y'all already know Sam and I love the massive passive. Um, I really, when you get into this, I will say, please, for the love of all that's holy, don't go cheap. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not saying cheap with price. I'm saying cheap with quality. Um, If if it retails in the $1,000 range, it's probably cheap in quality. If you want to kind of know the manufacturing side of thing, I don't know the, the gear manufacturing side, but I know general manufacturing side of things, there's a factor of three. You generally take your price, your landed price, what it costs to build it, bring it in and do everything. You multiply it by three, and that is your MSRP. So if it's $1,000 to build, you list it for 3,000 MSRP. You might, as the gear company, you might sell it to Sweetwater for 2,000. They have a $1,000 markup in it, and then they have the Keystone price, which is the $3,000 line. Um, And so I don't know if that translates into gear, but into some and most manufactured goods, that's generally... um, that's generally how it works. So I would go, and I am looking at the time, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we need to wrap up. I would go a Tony compressor. Um, I would do some type of EQ. I would do all of this of it, the highest quality that you can possibly get. And then I would do some type of, um, depending on the type of problems you are facing, I would either get um, a very specialty compressor, like an analog de-esser, and a good analog de-esser is great because it doesn't actually have a big sound. It literally just turns all those S's and all that garbage. It just 
there's like a volume knob for it. It just turns it down. It just kind of like erasing something from a chalkboard. It just kind of goes away. Um, or at least there's less of it. Um, I would either do a, something of specialty or I would do a tone box. Um, whether you want to go by the way of a saturator uh, or a master bus processor or you can get in like the Hendy amps, they have like that oven and all the other stuff that, that like people have these like tone boxes. Um, like like Sam said, the HG2 the, by, uh, by Black Box, it's, it's probably not a bad move. I don't completely understand the SSL Fusion. Um, it kind of seemed just like a random direct competitor to the MBP by Neve. But I mean... I don't know. You do you. Do you. I mean, even if like the next thing you get is just like you make a matrix of transformers that you can just, then you have like a gain knob in the in the front and you have a gain knob in the back and you can drive and you can push and pull with it through like a matrix of transformers that you can switch through. I mean, I did that. Um, I thought it was really cool and it still is cool. I don't, I don't really use it much anymore. Um, but that's what I would do. Um, and then worst case scenario, if you're at comp EQ, I don't know where to go next. Just know that anything's a saturator or a clipper if you use it wrong enough. And so <laughs> you go by that mentality and you'll, you'll, you'll be good to go. So, Sam, where do you sit on all this? I sit on, for those listening, go have some fun. Get out of the box. You can buy yeah. things. You can sell things. There's no real rules. But uh, I think Matt and I have said some good thoughts, some good uh, directions out of the box should be fun, and yeah. if it's not, then that's fine. <laughs> like, if, if you buy a piece of gear and you're like, "This sucks," I prefer Ozone. That's great. You know, it's mm-hmm. this is not a make or break to your career um, at all. Like, I promise you, you could stay in the box your whole life, but out of the boxes, um, usually, I don't know. If you have the time, it's a lot more fun, in my opinion, personally, from a workflow standpoint. Um, and you can pull some really cool, unique sounds that your clients may love or they might not. <laughs> like, you know. So I think uh, I think our audience, if you want to go out of the box, if you're thinking about it, go try it out. You owe it to yourself to try mm-hmm. it out. It'll be fun, probably. You'll learn stuff about audio in general. You'll meet some new people and you'll sure. make some cool records. That's where I land on it. Cool. Take us out. Um, yeah, and as uh, as far as price and everything is concerned, my wife sent me this like this uh, Thoreau quote of uh, the price of anything is the amount of life you exchange for it. Mm. And I've kind of had that sitting on my desktop, and I don't know. I'll pull it up every now and then. It's like anytime, just I don't know, wanting to look at buying something or whatnot, and. It's, how much life are you exchanging for yeah. for that thing? So, anyway, with all of that in mind, um, <laughs> whatever amount of life you exchange for it, it probably shouldn't be cheap. <laughs> yeah, because you're gonna probably regret buying it and exchange more life for it in any way. So, anyway, Sam's got to get rolling, and uh, yeah. But if you hear the beat in the background, that was made by him. And if you wouldn't mind, go give Sam some props and say hey thank you for putting this together thank you for putting this podcast together and uh you do a fantastic job this is just me passive aggressively not passive aggressively passively thanking you every episode for putting these together i am so thankful 
Um, I think you do a great job on it. Thank you. Um, if uh, you wouldn't mind uh, doing a little bit of housekeeping, just a little follow-up on that, just go and like and subscribe and uh, send us comments and DMs. And if you wouldn't mind just screenshotting this part of the episode and posting it to wherever you post things and tag us, and we would love to say hi to you and thank you for supporting the show. Um, if you need a mastering engineer, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering. I can be found at For The Record Mastering. And we would love to finish your record, take it across the line, and make you eternally proud of what you've created. So, um, with that said, thank you for listening to the podcast. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Cue the music. Yo, Aid. See y'all.